Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook on another great Saturday. Where are weeks going? Independence Weekend. I hope you enjoyed your 4th of July. I know I did. Had family in town and really had a great time. And continuing the weekend, because we are taping today. And, uh, you know, let's face it. We've got everything on sale. Hopefully you've seen our advertising. We are doing 20% off everything store-wide. Well, I shouldn't say everything. There's very few things that are dis- that are not discounted, meaning labor, gift certificates. I can't think of much else. But there might be one or two other items. But, you know, we don't discount gift cards. But, you know, everything else is soils. Soils. We never put a sale on soils. Soils, bark mulch, plants, hard goods, bird baths, pottery, you name it, annuals, baskets, patio pots, everything. 20% off until tomorrow at closing. All three stores, I know I'm a little excited about it, but we're just clearancing out some extra inventory here for this week, and it ends tomorrow at closing in all three stores. So I want to make sure and bring that up right at the beginning of the show. So I'll probably bring it up a couple more times, but, you know, it's that time of year, and it's been a little bit on the warm side, let's face it. Things are holding on great. They're looking wonderful in the garden center. Perennials, man, we've got a ton of perennials that look great right now. Hydrangeas are starting to bloom. We're going to be talking with Bailey's Nursery today about endless summer hydrangea. We're going to have Alec in here. He's going to talk to us about how to care for these. He's going to talk to us about ah the new bloom struck, which we've kind of been talking about. I've been really impressed with this plant quite a bit. But let's talk a little bit about what's going on out in the garden here. Okay, my veggie garden is exploding with growth. There's all kinds of growth going on. My lettuce is taken off. I have had a problem with my spinach. My spinach is bolted. Uh, and if you don't know what bolted means, um, it's when basically it starts to go to seed, meaning I'm not picking it enough. Uh, for some reason, I think the cool temperatures on early on uh, kind of gut things I don't know. It, they're out of whack for some reason, so I've got to aggressively pick that, kind of do some some uh, culinary stuff with my spinach this week, and really do a great job with it. It tastes wonderful. My beets are looking amazing. We're starting to pick some of those. And, you know, lettuce has been just going crazy. I mean, basil's looking good. The tomatoes have doubled in size already. My broccoli is amazing. Huge. And peppers, hot peppers. Ooh. We put some hot peppers in some salads the other night. Whoo! I was burning for a couple hours. It, I, I didn't realize how hot they were and got a couple big bites in there. Ooh, man. But I've also expanded the garden, and all my new seeds have come, come up. I've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. You know, my next set of beans, my next set of lettuce, all the, uh, you know, vine crops are coming up like... Uh, cucumbers and summer squash and zucchini so a lot of that stuff kind of is coming on really nicely and did i not tell you over the last couple weeks i got a tractor yeah i'm i'm really enjoying this tractor this tractor is making life so much easier around the yard i wish everybody could have one and afford one you know i have 18 acres like i've said you know time and time again on the show and so this is making my life a lot easier you know having a huge lawn having a lot of back acreage being able to pick up firewood off the ground you know digging holes for some of those new trees just 
a whole host of things I'm playing with, and and you just have no idea. This whole Fourth of July time off has just been craziness. So, you know, the other thing is I was talking about my Nissa Sylvatica. You know, that tree that I thought was dead all spring long, it is pushing out six and eight inches of growth right now. It is exploding and looking so much better. I'm getting ready to prune all the dead growth that is on there off now, okay? And this has been the surprise of spring for me, folks, because I thought, geez, that plant's definitely dead. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It is gone. There's no way. And boom patience paid off now the weeds have exploded they're just continuing to be a royal pain so you know a little extra work this weekend on the weeds this heat is really pushing things to seed much quicker so you got to be a little more vigilant but with this heat and good weather you know we have the opportunity to go ahead and just cultivate okay Cultivate those little weeds, and that summer heat will knock them down dead in a matter of hours. No need for herbicide. No need for extra work pulling them and picking them out of the garden. Just cultivate the top of your soil. You know, really get in there with a hoe or other garden instruments and just really kind of mix up the soil. Knock those weeds and the roots to the top of the soil, and they'll just wilt away and die. So... I'm doing a little bit of that this weekend, you know, picking my spots early morning, late in the day. Early morning's the best, okay, because you've got all that sun and and hot weather over the daylight hours that it'll knock it dead. Now, if you do it late in the evening, you may have to just go out there and kind of push things around in the morning. It'd be less work in the morning, but, you know, all that dew when we get at night kind of help, helps them revive and kind of reattach to the soil. So just be cautious about that. Now, the other thing is I had some mouse damage I've talked about on a burning bush. And I've talked about this, oh, it was probably a month ago anyway now. I don't know. Time flies when you're having fun. But I am finally seeing the signs of that damage on the plant. I have two or three major branches that have died. The leaves have just shriveled up, turned brown, and just have crashed. So that, you're probably seeing anything that has mouse damage out there now. You may, now that we're getting real summer heat, you know, in that mid-80s, hot, humid, you may see some of these plants really showing some of their signs and kind of showing how they're, all of a sudden they just look wilted. Even if you've watered, even if you've done everything else, look around the base, you may find you miss some mouse damage and some of those branches have died off or maybe the whole plant just all of a sudden in a few days crashes and the leaves turn all brown and it just dies. That sometimes can be a sign of mouse damage. The other thing, it could be lack of water. So obviously a combination of both. Now this burning bush, I knew I had damage. I gave it a little extra fertilizer. I have been watering it. I've been doing things. I expected this. It leafed out three-quarters of the way. It looked pretty good. The first stint of heat we had in June, it kind of, eh, it wasn't really doing its thing the way I hoped it would. And then, boom, now here in July, we're starting to see the signs of that. There are going to be a few things that are crashing. The other thing, we've had some customers coming in with weevil problems on rhododendron. So keep an eye on that. You might Google search weevil problems on rhododendron and take a look at that. I think we're seeing... Some of the signs of stress on some of these plants, some of the insects and diseases are starting to show up, okay? You know, because some of these plants from the winter are stressed, they're obviously a little weaker than normal, okay? They're not as happy. 
I've got a rhododendron that seems to have it. Uh, you know, there's opportunities to kind of protect that, but we want to be vigilant about it. You know, will it kill the plant? Probably not. But obviously, insects and diseases attack stress plants first. So we want to be cautious about limiting that stress, being able to water now that we've got some warm temperatures. I know we had some heavy rain, you know, but rain doesn't really stick around. The grass is actively growing. Everything's actively taking up moisture. In these hot temperatures, you've got to be real cautious about water. If we don't get an inch of rain, then my suggestion is continue watering regimen. Now we're getting to that July and August time frame where it's important that we go ahead and water once a week on a lot of things that are stressed. Be very vigilant about that. Very important. Now my rosemary on my deck. Let's talk about rosemary because this can be kind of a pain plant. It a lot of times has is struggles with us killing it with kindness. So I've got this beautiful 12-inch pot. It's on the deck. It looks wonderful, pyramid-shaped. The trick I've found with rosemary is not to overwater and not to underwater. It's a fine balance, okay? The other thing is giving it a little lime periodically, okay? Just a little handful of lime. It likes alkaline soil. And last but not least, don't pick your rosemary too hard, meaning don't cut into that heavy wood. Use the newest tips and the newest growth. Make it branch and use that nice supple growth. I find when I cut too hard into it, it really takes a long time for it to rebound. So make sure and leave some of those active growth points really active. You know, don't hack right into the wood. Now, certainly later in the fall, we may harvest a bunch and then bring the plant in. But let's let the plant use what you need and leave the rest on, okay, is what I'll tell you. Don't pick a bunch like you would get a big bunch in the grocery store. Pick what you need off that plant. Use it that night and then go get more if you need it. I have a tendency always picking more than I need, so I've been really cautious about that this year, and man, my rosemary is just loving it. I mean, I've got rosemary like crazy, and we've been loving it on pork and a whole bunch of things, adding it into rice, doing all kinds of things with our rosemary, so really, really exciting. And last but not least, what I'm doing in my yard, I'm finally planting annuals, okay? I know, and you say, 4th of July? Okay, I'm always off schedule of everyone else, okay? I start planting trees and shrubs in June. I start planting perennials in June, and then I do my annuals in July. And the reason being is I don't have time earlier. I'm at the garden center. I'm really actively working now. Some of the benefits of owning a garden center, I'm able to plant some of the 2015 varieties, Stuff that you guys don't even know about. And I'm not going to talk about them because I really want to try them out. I want to see how they do. We get samples from Proven Winners and a bunch of the breeders. They send us these lovely little starts, and we grow them on, and then a bunch of the family take them home. We might give some to our employees, we, you know, but not a huge number of plants. It's one of this, one of that. But we all kind of take a few home and try them out. Report back. Do we like them? Do we not? Is the color better than one? We can't grow every variety. It's impossible. There are too many varieties. So a lot of times the new varieties don't either add up to what we feel is a good replacement or we may add them only in hanging baskets or only in 9-inch pots or only in 4-inch pots. We have to make choices. So some of these things, how they grow, what they look like, how they perform, 
all kind of dictate the choices that we make. But I got to tell you, there's some really cool, interesting new stuff. I'm pretty excited about a few of the, of the new things. And of course, as we get towards fall and, and winter, we'll talk more about those. But today, we're going to also talk a lot about endless summer hydrangea. Okay, and a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about my endless summer hydrangea, how I've been feeding it, how it's died back to the ground, but they're all kinds of buds. Well, now those buds are getting really big, okay? And I think, you know, we're in the 50 buds range. Now, this is an old plant. This is probably one of the first plants that we received from Bailey's Nursery. It was a sample that they gave to us. I planted at my house, and it's performed well ever since. Now, here's the trick. I put it in the coldest spot I have in the yard. North side gets probably sun about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Really late, folks. Really cold. North side, tough spot. But what I found is being in a cold spot, it doesn't get those temperature spikes. And so it stays cold in the winter. It's cooler in the summer. It sets bud on new and old growth. This year it died back almost to the ground. But that fertilizer regimen I've talked about time and time. And we're going to talk from with Alec from Bailey Nurseries. And he's going to he's going to really talk to us about not only in the summer, but we're going to talk Bloomstruck and the newest endless summer hydrangea. And what? Why? Why do we need Bloomstruck? I'm going to ask him that question. You know, what's the big deal? So I've been impressed with it. I think it's going to be a great addition. Did I tell you that my tractor's working really well? I know, I know. I just ha- I I want to thank Wallingford Equipment. They've been great guys. They did a great job. The tractor's wonderful. I can't tell you. It makes makes me want to go out and garden even more. I didn't think that was possible. And my wife just sees me smiling all the time. You know. Now I got now now I got to get get her back. I got to. I got to do something, you know, because she's been so supportive, so great in all of our gardening, absolutely loving the vegetable garden, you know, making salads, doing all these things. You know, we've been having a blast, but it's Independence Weekend, and family's in town. We're having a great time, I'm sure. We're taping this earlier, obviously, but I've got four days off. I'm playing on the tractor for sure. You can see me smiling. I know. Just picture me. I'm smiling right now. Okay, so we're after the break here, we're going to have Alec from Bailey's Nursery. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit caselaorganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer is here. How are you going to celebrate? Start your summer off with a bang by shopping the Independence Blowout Sale at Estabrooks. Everything at Estabrooks and Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk is now 20% off through Sunday, July 6. Choose from big, beautiful plants, helpful tools and gardening supplies, soils, mulch, pottery, and so much more. It's the perfect way to get your home and garden ready for the 4th of July and beyond. 
To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we are talking endless summer hydrangea. Blue hydrangeas, the blue and the red, white, and blue on Independence Day. Okay, you know, let's face it, this weekend, it's a a lot about parties and having a great time. But the blue in the garden in the summer months, there's nothing like endless summer. And the series of hydrangeas in that series... You know, a whole bunch of things. So we've got Alex Charest. Uh Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, Tom. How are you? Great. And you're from Bailey's Nursery out there in Minnesota, right? That's right, Minnesota. <laughs> and you have, uh, what, Illinois and Oregon also? As we absolutely do, and Washington, as a matter of fact. Oh, my gosh. You, where, where's next? Oh, well... Hopefully your way. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> northeast would go closer know. to Maine. You know, Maine's yeah. pretty tough to grow in, but Minnesota is too. Yeah, no, we we uh, we're hardy souls up here in in the northern Midwest. We can handle it. Absolutely, same here in Maine. You know, there's uh, so Independence Weekend, red, white, and blue. Obviously, blue pots, blue hydrangeas. Endless summer has been a great addition here in Maine. Though some people have, you know some problems time to time with it um but before we get to that let's talk a little bit about bailey's nursery okay Okay. let's talk about the history of bailey's i know it's a family business like ours tell me a little bit about bailey's well bailey nurseries was founded in 1905 and it started out as a a fruit and ornamental farm a a, a truck farm if you will they sell produce at the uh, st paul city market in, in in minnesota here we are on our, our, our fourth generation of ownership, and the fifth generation has just started working at the nursery. Very good. Then we have, uh, as, as we mentioned before, we've got uh, th- three primary locations uh, in Minnesota, um, Oregon, Illinois, and uh, we have some production in Washington as well. Um, we grow everything from ornamental, ornamental and um, uh, trees, shrubs, evergreens, roses. We're really active in in introducing new plant material to the market and we take a lot of time uh testing to make sure that we're bringing good quality products to market endless summer is a great example of that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah the one thing i will say is a lot of other nurseries buy your bare root product and pot it up and and sell it to us also as we also buy from from direct from bailey's nursery correct that's right. That's right. Our, uh, in this in this side of the plant world, we're selling uh, bare root plants, which, as you said, other other nurseries pot up either in containers uh, and sell uh, throughout the season, or they plant them in a field and grow them for a few more years to get that very large product that uh, uh, instantly fills the landscape. So you guys are really at the start of the supply chain, along with many others, obviously. But what I will say is Bailey's Nursery has been a wonderful supplier for Estabrooks. Um, you know, hardy, northern-grown, tough plants, wide range. You, you carry a huge variety list, I mean, above and beyond many nurseries, some only in bare root, others in containers, but just a huge selection, Correct. Absolutely, and that's high praise, and I can't thank you enough for that. But uh, we we try really hard to have the best of the best, and also a a good wide mix of products for our customers and eventually the consumer as well. You bet. All right. Well, Bailey's has been wonderful to us over twenty plus years of business, and always supportive of independent garden centers. And 
you know, let's talk a little bit about that blue pot because that really signifies the endless summer hydrangea series, right? That's right. That that brand started out in the year 2004, and the very first product in into the endless summer collection was a, a repeat flowering blue hydrangea that we eventually called endless summer the original. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now there are four varieties in the collection. About every two or three years, we've introduced a new variety. It's a hydrangea collection only, so there are currently four varieties in the collection, uh, with the newest being um, introduced this year, a new variety called Bloomstruck, yeah. which is another uh, very, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but it's a, a, another ex, uh, excellent repeat flowering variety with a, a beautiful color range depending on, on the pH of the soil, ranging from a very nice intense pink all the way to blue or even violet. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Endless Summer because it's the original. And, you know, Maine, we've had mixed results with it. I have one of the original samples that they sent to me, I believe, in 2003. It might have been 2002 at my house, and I got 50 blooms on it this year. And it died Uh back to the ground. And what I've found is fertilization's key in the Northeast, you know, to really get active vegetative growth early even though it dies back. Give us some tips of how we get that to really perform. It was a tough winter up here as it was in Minnesota. Any any specific tips? Yeah, absolutely. We see you know, we see similar things here and and what it comes down to first off is when the when the plant first came out, it was such I mean, it was it was there was a craze over it and people were uh, excited about it for good reason and we still are today and as a as a result I think it started to get planted in, in sometimes the wrong location because um, you know we all see you know we, we all see the the potential of that beautiful blue flower and and you start planting it everywhere and sometimes we tend to forget where what where it should be planted and really what it is. Mm-hmm. It's best planted in um, a, a semi-shaded environment, partial shade. It it likes a lot of it likes a lot of light, but it doesn't like that hot, penetrating afternoon sunshine you know like you might see on the south side of a a home so that so exposure is one one uh, thing to be considerate of another is your soil and for example my home uh, in the northern twin cities here is very sandy and as a result you know we have many years last year for example it, it, it can be quite dry at times and so unless you're supplement you know supplementing some water um the, the, uh, the hydrangeas tend to struggle. They like a little bit more of a rich, organic, peat-based soil. So that would be another consideration as well. Absolutely. And we deal more with clay on our end, so it's the same thing. You know, being careful to overwater, amend your soil, really kind of create the bed that they really need rather than just sticking them anywhere. Absolutely. Yep, I agree with that 100%. Do you know think you know, and really, when it gets down to it, in terms of winter care, you know, in in the in the far north northern regions in Zone Four, which which uh, I'm I'm guessing you might be in Zone Four time. Abs- is that right? Absolutely. You know, we're a five slash four, but okay. most of our market is a five or four. You know, and and right along the coast, we've had pretty good success. But you know, you go a little inland, and people have a little tougher time, and they're probably more that Zone Four. Right. All right. Well, I, I would. I would strongly suggest for the first year, and this would be true of almost any landscape plant, not just in the summer, but for the first year, put a nice layer of mulch on when, when we get to that time of year when, it's starting, when the landscape's starting to shut down and freeze, probably sometime in early November. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's a really good time to put a covering over any newly planted plants that's their first year. Mm-hmm. 
No, that makes that just protects the buds and really kind of uh, you know helps that root zone. Absolutely, and, yeah. You, 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 and really, what you're also trying to protect is is from that spring freeze and thaw. Because if you know in the spring, sometimes you we get that that weather where all of a sudden it's it's warming up and we have that beautiful ninety degree day in in late March or well not late March I guess I'm a little off there I'm now I'm just dreaming yeah but but in uh, you know in, in in April we can get those you know seventy eighty degree days and when it's even warm at times but then you you get that next week where you get some temperatures that drop into the to the to the upper thirties or even the twenties at night absolutely and yeah. so that 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 protection is really intended to keep the plant. Uh, uh, protected from that spring freeze thaw condition. I've we've found here in Maine that you know in Minnesota you warm up so quickly, and here in Maine we don't. I mean we're just getting temperatures into the 80s now, okay. and so you know for us here I've found giving extra fertilizer in April, May, and June really helps mimic when we do get those 70 and 80 degree temperatures that release you know of a nice organic fertilizer that we get that that vegetative growth that we need from the root system and being so slow i think a lot of times endless summer here doesn't blue you know butt up until late if you don't get it activated early enough well that's a really good point and, and i'm glad you addressed that because i certainly you certainly would know your conditions compared to ours i think the, the other thing that we notice here and it would be true of almost anywhere is that soil temperature you know the, the hydrangeas, ranges you know especially in the, well all, all of them in, in the endless summer collection tend to, to wait until that soil, soil warms up, more so than other plants in the landscape. You, you might be going through and seeing things like forsythia and rhododendron and azaleas starting to, to leaf out or, or even start to bloom. But yet when you look at the hydrangeas in the landscape, you're, you're kind of looking and going, well, geez, what's going on here? It, they, just, they just come out a little bit later, and that's because of the soil temperature. Absolutely. I think, and for us here in Maine, we slow, I mean, we're like a slow and steady train. I mean, we just kind of peck away, you know, 50s, 60s. Maybe you get a day of 70, and then it goes back to 50. And so, you know, that fertilizer helps us really get going. But you're right. I mean, sometimes it's late May for us before we see much of any growth on our endless summer. And you've got to be patient about pruning them back. And let's talk a little bit about pruning quickly, because obviously we don't want to prune macrophylla hydrangeas back hard. No, you really, really, you don't have to do any type of shaping when it comes to pruning on on these plants. The only pruning I really recommend is wait till spring, let the plant begin to grow and appear in your landscape, and whenever you start to see that green tissue or those green leaves start to develop. Then at that point, if you see any you know uh, discolored stems, any any wood left over from last year where there's no active growth coming from it, then just simply remove that at that point. Yeah, we pretty much tell people between June first and June fifteenth in May, don't touch them until then. It's it's amazing. I mean, we're just much later. I'm sure by then you're really actively growing out in Minnesota, correct? Yeah, and yeah, by by the time we get to mid-May, they're starting to generally come into to the landscape. I've got. Uh, uh, all of them planted in my yard here in the Twin Cities, and I've got. I just started to see flower buds on on Bloomstruck, especially the newest one, uh, started to bud up in um, just just early June. Yeah, I mean, I just saw first buds about uh, third week of June. Okay. So you know we're at least a couple weeks probably behind you guys. I would I would suspect. Sure. So let's talk Bloomstruck. Amazing plant. Uh, from what I've seen so far, you know, that twist and shout, we can talk a little bit about that, but isn't twist and shout part part of the parentage? It is. Uh, and we really didn't talk about twist and shout yet, but of the four varieties in the collection, and I'll just give a quick mention to all of them if that's all yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so endothermia of the original came out first in 2004, and that, that's the one we've been speaking of with those beautiful clear, clear blue blooms, uh, what we call a mop head flower, so mm-hmm. nice big rounded blooms on it, which has started the craze, if you will. Right. Then a, a few years later, I believe it was 2007, I might be a little bit wrong, but I think, that was, I think I'm correct, we came out with a white flowering variety called Blushing Bride. Absolutely. And then a couple of years after that, in 2009, Twist and Shout came out, and that that was a very that's a very unique one in the collection because that's what we call a lace cap flower instead of a mop head. I really so like that one. It really is quite beautiful. So you've got this combination of of open and closed flowers on this on this floret that really uh, have a, a very attractive look, and it's a very heavy bloomer, so it performs wonderfully in the landscape. Yeah, I found this really amazed me you know every time i see it in the nursery every time i see it in the growing ranges you know it's budding up as a very small plant and it's performed well in the garden for us so you know if you want that really delicate texture and that part shade anywhere from pink to blue to kind of purpley color really cool plant i i like twist and shout it also has a very nice red stem, which is attractive. So even when you're waiting for those flowers to open and, and mature, you have this really interesting two-tone look with the really nice, deep, rich uh, green foliage and combined with those nice red stems. So it's a very attractive plant, even when it's not in flower. In my um, opinion, underused. You know, agreed. I, I really, completely. I think the mop heads get more attention, but I like the lace caps. I think they're underused. I would empower people to plant at least one twist and shout. I think I think they're missing the boat if they don't. <laughs> we agree with you, Tom. Keep saying that. That's great. <laughs> uh, but then it leads us into the newest variety, Bloomstruck, and you're absolutely right. It comes from um, having Twist and Shout in the parentage, and that's really key because what what we've found with Bloomstruck is not only are we getting that beautiful mop head flower that people are so drawn to, but then we're also getting all of the strong attributes in, in repeat flowering that Twist and Shout is delivering. And so Bloomstruck gives you that nice, Range of it gives you a nice mop head flower that ranges from again pink to to blue to purple depending on the acidity of your soil, along with just heavy heavy uh, bloom count uh, on that plant. So it really is just sending up new flower buds throughout the growing season. And once it starts blooming, it simply doesn't stop. Yeah, I've I've seen the plant at a really young stage, and it's amazing to me to see the reproductive power. And when I say reproductive power, the flowers. Man, it just doesn't stop. I mean, we've seen it in small little two-gallon pots coming barely out of the ground and setting flower buds. Uh, It really has been impressive. Obviously, new plant. We've got to see how it reacts. I'm jazzed up about it. I still like all the others, too, though. Absolutely. Uh, You know, we had another grower uh, mention to us uh, last year in trying to describe it. uh, Bloomstruck, he said it's the perfect hydrangea, and I thought that was very high praise. Um, so you're absolutely right. You want to make sure that, it, that you're comfortable with the plant, and, or any plant for that matter, in, in your, your region. But we're very excited about what Bloomstruck is, is bringing to the table. Well, that brings up a great point. Plants are a long-term purchase. You know, a lot of these plants, you put them in the ground. They're there for years. You know, talk to me a little bit about maybe some of your favorite plants. And also, I know Bailey's introduces a lot of new plants, and, and a lot of those are under what, First Editions brand? Is that? There's no question. We have, Bailey Nurseries has um, three brands that, that we run. Endless Summer Hydrangeas is the, the collection we've been speaking out about until now. Uh, First Editions Plants is a collection of unique and colorful shrubs that are really intended for the home landscape to really 
help everyone know what the best of the best is. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a rose brand uh, called Easy Elegance Easy Roses, Elegance, yeah. which is a really nice mixture of uh, hardy uh, roses that have that beautiful hybrid tea-looking flower. Yeah, I, you know, the Easy Elegance Roses, tough, hybridizes, hybridized north, really hold up well. You know, uh, large bloom count, very little uh, disease problems that I've seen. And we have them in and out of the garden center all the time, you know, refreshing stocks. So take a look at those in the garden center for sure. But what are some of your favorite plants? How much time do we have in the segment, Tom? <laughs> we got probably three or four minutes. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's part of the joys of working for a nursery. I get to see a lot of great plants, so to, to pinpoint one is is difficult. But I will I will give mention to a few of my favorites. And you talked about the first editions collection uh, being one. One of the most popular plants and one of my favorite plants in that collection is another hydrangea, a little bit of a different type than the endless summer varieties that we've been speaking of. Yep. But it's vanilla strawberry hydrangea. Yeah. And that one, it's a, it's a, it's a, a bit different because it's a type of hydrangea we call paniculata. Mm -hmm. And paniculata hydrangeas are generally a bit larger in stature as, as compared to uh, macrophyllas, which are the other, the other types that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And anyway, it's a, it's a wonderful landscape shrub. It, it really is, is very adaptable. It can grow virtually anywhere, whether it's full, almost up to full sun into moderate shade. It gets about uh, six to seven feet tall, but has a wonderful two-tone flower that appears in about mid to late summer and holds itself throughout the, the rest of the year. And the flower color ranges from, it uh, comes out white and then eventually transitions to a lovely strawberry red color, which is very unique for those types of hydrangeas. Yeah, I've found this plant, it doesn't give you the glory in a pot. No, You put it out in the landscape... And all of a sudden, the flowers are much bigger. The plant takes on its beautiful shape, and the color is amazing. Uh, you yeah. know, but a lot of these plants that are bigger growers, it's tough to make them look exactly what they're going to look like in a pot. Yeah, it's really nice. I wouldn't say vanilla strawberry is intended for a pot, as you said. However, I will say, if that size scares you off of, of, of vanilla strawberry, and that's understandable because not everybody has a place for a plant that gets six to seven feet tall, we just came out with a, a, a more compact version of that same plant this spring, and it's a nice little dwarf, a dwarf is not the right word, compact variety uh, called Strawberry Sunday. Yeah, I and, love all these compact varieties that are coming out. You know, customers are struggling with space in their yard. Some yards are getting smaller. I've got a big yard, so I can use both of them. You know, but these compact varieties, I'm excited about Strawberry Sunday. Yeah, it's a, you know it's nice because it's got all the nice attributes of uh, that we just talked about vanilla strawberry, but on a plant that's half the size. So you're looking at something now that's going to get in that three to four foot range, and that's very manageable for most people. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're running out of time here, but we got to talk about something other than hydrangeas. So there's okay. got to be something else. <laughs> no question. I love roses. Ah. I just absolutely love roses, and one of the newer ones that we that we have in our first editions collection is a, a, a variety that's hardy for the north called Campfire. And I've Campfire, heard about this. It's really a beautiful two-tone plant. It, it, it comes out um, kind of a yellow bud when it first forms, but as that bud matures, you start to see around the outside and around the outer edges this beautiful red tone. So mm. it, it's got that nice yellow to red two-tone look to it. 
It repeat blooms throughout the growing season, and what's nice about it is it's very disease-resistant because I know a lot of people get concerned about using roses in, in their yards because they, they think they're implied that they're a lot of work. But the reality is there's so many wonderful shrub roses out there that perform wonderfully well in the landscape with virtually no more care than a typical landscape shrub, and campfire is one of those roses. Now you're going to make me order some campfires. You you went and talked about it. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing my job if I didn't, Tom. <laughs> That's right. Very well, Alec. I appreciate the interview. You know, uh, I hope we can have you back. We're running out of time. But uh, I want to say, you know, thank you so much. And the Endless Summer Collection, you know, continues to expand, along with all the plants at Bailey's Nursery. You know, certainly a lot of them we carry, certainly – Obviously, I've got to get some campfires, so uh, we'll be doing an order fairly soon. Uh, but thank you very much. Tom, I can't thank you enough either. I'd be happy to come back anytime. All right. Sounds good. Alec uh, Charest from Bailey Nurseries. Thanks a lot, Alec. You bet. All right. Unbelievable. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. I want to thank Alec from Bailey Nurseries. Great interview. You know, talked a lot about those hydrangeas. You know, I know some have had better success than others. You know, we talked time and time again. But, man, that vanilla strawberry and strawberry sundae. We're going to be getting some of those in. Campfire Rose. I've been looking at this one. 
You know, uh, not a lot was available early on in the season for us to get some, but now that we're coming into that time frame where all the 2015 plants are available. So a lot of availabilities are starting to fill back up. I know it's tough to think about it, but we're starting to buy for fall. I know, I know. We're starting to make some of those decisions, you know, and, and whatnot. But it's Independence Weekend. And our independence blowout sales going on. I know you've probably heard some of the ads. 20% off virtually everything in all three of our stores. Huge sale. Hopefully you've had some time to enjoy yourself this weekend. Now it's time to get back to work. I'm going to be gardening this weekend. I'm off as we're taping today. But I got family in town. We're barbecuing. Nothing better than good friends, good food, good drinks. You know, going to have an enjoyable weekend a little swimming, maybe a little boating, you know, all kinds of things. So it's time. It's summer. You got to enjoy your garden, but you also got to enjoy life. So it's give and take, you know, pick those moments to really get in the garden, do some quick work. I like to work half hour, hour at a time. If you do a little bit more often, gardening is a lot more fun. I don't like the full day. I don't ever garden for a full day. I garden an hour or two at a time. I pick my spots when it's cooler. I pick my spots when I water. That's my summer kind of mantra when it comes to gardening, is don't make it work. Keep it fun. That's what this show is all about. Enjoy yourself. Submit your questions at estbrooksonline.com backslash radio. We've had some questions come in over the last week, and this one's from Janice from Standish. And her question is, my squash plant have white spots all over them starting could it be powdery mildew already? Absolutely, Janice. Probably and most likely, we've had customers starting to arrive, showing us, again, the mobile app, great way to take a picture, send it in. Picture tells a thousand words. Powdery mildew is starting out in the garden. I've been spraying kind of down my plants preventatively with copper sulfate. Get aggressive with that copper sulfate. Might have to kick it up a notch, go to a fungal. We always want to read the label, making sure things are safe. But definitely powdery mildew is definitely something that's kind of starting. You know, other problems in the garden have arose, you know, on other plants like Minarda. It's showing up. Flocks, we're seeing those browning leaves starting. So get out there and be proactive rather than retroactive with some of these things. If you have a problem on a plant every year, think about going out and taking care of that now perfect time obviously watch out for those thunderstorms in the afternoon i like to spray down my plants towards evening you know it really kind of allows that copper to sit on there a little bit longer over over the evening all the bees are back in the hive you know so think about that janice keep your eye out keep vigilant i'm glad to hear you're contacting us earlier rather than later okay due to the fact that the longer these things go with thunderstorms and other things with this heat and humidity, that's what spreads it. So if you're watering with a sprinkler, stop. Get the powdery mildew under control. Hand water, keeping the water off the leaves, and that will make a huge difference in keeping it from spreading. If it gets to a point where it's really bad, you may look to actually remove the plants also. would be another option. So a whole host of different things going on in the garden. I've been pretty lucky so far. Like I said, I've got some plants bolting, that spinach. 
I've had a little bit of flea beetle problems, a little bit of, you know, problems on the cabbage moth, that little white moth that's flying around, the cabbage, the broccoli, the cauliflower. You need to get that eight, seven out, get those sprayed up. Whenever you see that cabbage moth, it's laying eggs. And if you ever have problems with your broccoli, cauliflower, all of those things, you also can cover over your plants with that harvest guard like we've talked about. And last but not least, let's face it, the slugs, okay? They're starting to really get their mojo, okay? And so with this heat and humidity, they're obviously underneath those plants. Refresh that sluggo, put that diatomaceous earth, great dew first thing in the morning. You know, go out when there's that heavy dew, you know, it's cooler in the morning, that dew sitting on top of the plants, you can just dust them. Otherwise, mist down your plants at the end of the day, spread that diatomaceous earth like fairy dust, and watch it work overnight, okay? Well, maybe you'll be sleeping. But anyways, for the most part, that will knock them out. Great organic ways, sluggo and diatomaceous earth, a great cocktail between the two. I recommend using both, okay? It's a great way to get those slugs under control. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Summer is here. How are you going to celebrate? Start your summer off with a bang by shopping the Independence Blowout Sale at Estabrooks. Everything at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk is now 20% off through Sunday, July 6. Choose from big, beautiful plants, helpful tools and gardening supplies, soils, mulch, pottery, and so much more. It's the perfect way to get your home and garden ready for the 4th of July and beyond. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You know, if I could just find one product that would control my insect problems on my house plants, around the outside of my house, on my lawn, in my flower beds, and my vegetable garden. Hmm. Ma'am, Bonide has the answer. What? Bonide's 8 insect control is effective against more than 100 insects that destroy trees, shrubs, lawns, flowers, vegetables, and fruit. Use 8 to eliminate ticks, fleas, ants, and other home-invading pests. It can even be used indoors on houseplants. Wow. 8 kills on contact and repels insects for up to 30 days. 8 is available in dust concentrate and in convenient ready to use and ready to spray formulations with built-in hose and sprayer really find bonide eight insect control at your local independent garden centers of maine visit maineigc.com or bonide.com thank you ma'am for your time thank you Back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're answering some questions from folks that have submitted them to our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. And this one here is from Susan. 
in Yarmouth. And she saw our alert. We sent out an alert, meaning if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, um, you should. Go to our website, sign up for our newsletter. It comes out every Thursday. But on top of that, we send out what we call news alerts. News alerts are when something important comes up, like, for instance, frost alert early in the spring, late in the fall. Japanese beetles arrive. This one had to do with emerald ash borer, okay? And her question is, I saw your alert about emerald ash borer. Tell us what we should be looking for. And so emerald ash borer has been found at the border of Maine, within 20 miles, okay, in New Hampshire. Now, this insect has been moving at a clip that's like a racehorse. I mean, just... 100, 200 miles at a, at a whack. It just all of a sudden shows up. It's not a gradual thing. It doesn't just kind of move slowly. It moves in great distance and then shows up. And unfortunately, this insect, emerald ash borer, will kill all the ash trees, doesn't matter what species, what brand, what type, in your town. It will kill all of them, okay? And not only that, it will create a quarantine issue. It will create... A situation where your town's going to have a lot of expense because ash was planted extremely heavily in the 70s and 80s, okay? And even the 60s. It's one of the best pollution-tolerant trees for a street tree. Now, we don't plant them very much because of this insect anymore, but we've got 30, 40, 50-year-old trees in all of our neighborhoods, in all of our streets that align. Big, big problem. So what what should we look for? First off, it's about the size of a penny in length, and it is bright metallic green. But the big thing I want you to look for is D-shaped holes in stems of the trees. Now, this is a tough thing to see because they typically attack the canopy way up in the tree. So the first thing I want you to do is go out and look at your ash trees. If you've got some dead branches in the top canopy, ooh, big sign. Big sign. Warning, warning, warning. Okay? I want you to get some of the extension people. I want you to report it to the state. I want you to get people, especially down in York County, Cumberland County, maybe over into Freiburg, anywhere along the New Hampshire border. Let's be vigilant. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to skip two counties and show up halfway up the state. We don't know. The biggest way this insect is transported is in firewood. If you know anybody who comes in, is visiting you, they bring camp wood, burn it right away. Okay? It could be an ash that was diseased. They cut up for firewood. They threw it in the RV or in the back of the pickup. They're coming to Maine to go camping. If you got it all the way there... Burn it. Don't set it on top of the wood pile. Discard it as soon as possible. By the way, this is illegal in the state of Maine to bring firewood into the state of Maine. There's plenty of places to buy firewood, so be cautious about that. But I want everybody to be really vigilant about calling their extension, calling their forestry departments. It's better to have a false alarm than to not have any alarm. Okay? The state has been putting out traps for years. We have not found any in traps. 
but how many traps can you put out comparative to how many ash trees there are? In Yarmouth, we have a very large percentage of ash trees that line our streets, some that are 40 and 50 years old. It'll be devastating. It'll be just like when Dutch elm disease came through. And who wants to talk about Asian longhorn beetle? We don't want to yet. It's not our problem. But these invasive things we haven't seen here in Maine. Now, hemlock woolly adelgid has been a concern. It hasn't spread like we thought it would. Maybe. Maybe this won't also. But the northern states have had problems. Why wouldn't we? Okay, so it's coming. It's a matter of time. Be vigilant. Sign up for those that e-news. It's a great way to keep informed. We send out, we don't send out a lot of garbage, I guess is what I'll say. It's very factual. It tells you about specials, obviously, but we also send these alerts, and that's really important to me. So we got a minute left in the show. It's Independence Weekend. Sale, 20% off everything sale ends tomorrow at closing. Okay, on the 6th, Sunday the 6th. Don't miss it. Don't miss out. So come on in, visit us. I know you've got a little extra time. Maybe you need to take a walk. Maybe you're coming back from the beach. Grab an ice cream. Come walk in the garden so there's nothing more relaxing. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the weekend. I certainly am. And certainly, spend some time in your garden. I'm going to be. I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of things. I'm so excited. Did I tell you I got a tractor? I know. I'm so excited. I'm having a plane. This is fun. Gardening should be fun. Okay. So I hope everybody enjoys their Independence Weekend. Next week, all kinds of different topics. You know, things keep rolling along in the garden, and we'll just keep up with them. So get out there. Enjoy your garden.